sometimes you just got to get in the devil's face and sing that song to him. You know, you don't have to have a tape or anything. You say, nothing's too big for my God. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. Did you come ready this morning to receive from the Lord? Praise God. Just like you have an empty cup and you lift it up, you want somebody to fill that cup. That's our, our, our vessel. That's who we are. Amen? Heavenly Father, today I ask you right now, as vessels, you said that we are vessels of honor, meet ready for the Master's use. We ask you to come and fill us today afresh and anew. Fill us up, spirit, soul, body. Fill us up with your goodness, with your mercy. We ask for revelation, knowledge to flow freely, unhindered by any satanic force. Satan, we serve an eviction notice on you. You have no part nor lot, no place in this service today. In Jesus' name, we cast you out. You have no place. And today, Lord, we release the angels of God in this place to minister to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Bring it up a little bit there. Let's go to a, a, a Genesis, Genesis chapter 1. Last week we started a brand new series called The Spoken Word. And I'm extremely excited about this particular series that we're in right now. And if you, if you weren't here, make sure you pick up a CD from last week. Or you could just go on our website and download it if you'd like to do that. Whatever's easier for you. Praise God. I'm so thankful for all the different means of, that we have of communication to be able to get the word out in the days that we live in. Amen. Uh, sometime in the next month or two, I'm, I'm going to be putting out some live videos and stuff that uh, we're going to put on our website for people uh, that they can listen to the word around the world. Amen. Praise God. It's time to expand in this area. But in Genesis chapter 1, we're going to look at the first four verses. I'm not going to read the whole chapter as we did last week, but I'm going to refer to it. But the scripture says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Now notice in verse 2 it says, The Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters, but nothing happened until God spoke. Spirit of God was moving, but nothing really happened until God spoke and released words. Amen? And it says in verse 3, it says, And God said, let's say that together, And God said, And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light, and it was good. You know, if you walk into a dark room and you turn the light on, that's a good thing, right? You don't stumble over something. You know, I remember back in the day... Uh, I was just thinking this when I was a teenager. Actually, I was still in high school. And I was working for a place called MSM Television. It was a TV place. They sold those big, this is before they had flat screens and stuff. They had those real big, the monsters televisions. Remember that? They weighed like a ton, you know what I'm saying? And I, was, I, was a, I would drive the van and we would, him, me and another guy would deliver televisions to people, you know. And it was always a real joy when you go to an apartment complex and they lived on the fifth floor and you had to walk up. You know, and one time we actually dropped a brand new television. It rolled down the steps. <laughs> that was an interesting day. But I remember back at the shop, you know, back at the shop, and we'd go back, you know, they had a basement in this place, an MSM TV. It doesn't exist anymore. But they would take all the old televisions that people had when they would, you know, the, the deal was they would buy a new TV, they would take their old TV and they would put all the parts downstairs. So it was like a graveyard for televisions in this basement. The problem was there was only a ceiling was only about this high. 
And it was nasty, spiders, all kind of junk in there, dust. You know what I'm saying? It was just nasty. So we would have to take stuff down there, you know, and uh, old televisions. And I remember one day that the big boss told me to take down this one particular TV and carry it to the back, you know, and so I did. And I didn't realize that there was a broken light bulb that was dangling down from the ceiling. And of course, it wasn't working, but it was a live wire, you know. Just the glass was off. It was broken, but the wires inside the, the light bulb, you know what I'm talking about, was still dangling down. So when I turned the lights on, that was a live bulb. I just didn't know it until I got underneath it and my head touched that thing. Brother, I'm telling you, you didn't have to think twice about whether I touched that thing or not. I knew when I touched that thing. I lit up. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. And let me say you'll never have to think, well, why know if God touches me or not? No, you'll know it. You'll know it. Amen. You won't have to think because when God touches you, He touches you. But this, in this situation, He says here, God said, let there be light. And there was Light. Now we know that the, the 26 verses that we're, we're referring to here, all, in all creation, God created everything in six days. In six days, on the seventh day, God rested. All right? It's not because he was tired, it was because he was finished. Okay? Uh, you want, may want to jack up that a little bit, that temperature there. Uh, when uh, God created everything that he made, he said eight times in the book of Genesis, chapter 1, and God said, and then it says, and God saw. God said, God saw. God said, God saw. Eight times, okay, from verses 1 through 26. Now, as I mentioned last week, God could have went like this. There it is. God could have done that. But he chose to use words to create what we now have today in this earth. He chose to use words. God always says something before he does something. Always. Amen. Now go to Genesis chapter 2 verse 7. I want to show you something here. It's nice because when God created, when God said he always said it was good. The light was good. Amen. The cattle were good. The livestock was good. The fish were good. Adam was good. Amen. Everything that God made was good. In fact, everything God does is good. Everything that he does is good. But in Genesis chapter 2, we see where the Bible gets a little more specific about the creation of Adam, God's first man. And says in verse 7, And God formed man out of the dust of the ground, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Notice that he became a living soul. Now, originally when God made Adam, he made his body, his physical body from the, from the elements that, in fact, your body today has the same basic elements that are in the earth today. We're just dirt walking around. <laughs> our, that's our bodies. Okay. When God created man's body, he was lifeless. He just stood there like a clay statue, just stood there. There was no life to him. But when God got up in his faith, face and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, man became a living soul. 
Now, we brought up the fact last week from the Hebrew sages, from the Humash, I think it's, it's spelled C-H-U-M-A-S-H, I think it is, Humash, they call it Humash. It's the Hebrew sages that interpreted and, and uh, the Old Testament, and they had some real light, real knowledge on these particular scriptures. And the literal Hebrew for this scripture means that when God created mankind, and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. It says man became another living, speaking spirit just like God. Amen? Man became another living spirit, <clears throat> a speaking spirit just like God. Say, I am, I am. a living, living speaking, spirit. speaking spirit. Just like God. Just like God. Now, the Lord tells us how he created everything. Amen? I mean, scientists that, you know, bless Bill Nye, the science guy's heart. He's an atheist, you know. He's too educated for himself, you know. You know Bill Nye, the science guy, remember that? He might have some knowledge on some other things, but he does not have a revelation on, on God yet. He's an atheist. And, uh, but I'll tell you, what, they would save a lot of time if they just went to the Bible, looked into the Bible, and saw what the Bible said about creation, that God said it, and then it was. Amen? I don't believe in the Big Bang Theory. I saw a bumper sticker that said, I believe in the Big Bang Theory. God spoke it, and bang, there it was. <laughs> Amen? You know, it takes more faith to believe that there isn't a God than did you believe that there is. I mean, to stop and think, if you look at anything, look at your human body. How intricate your human body is. Look at the eye, for example, how your eyes work. Do you think that was just a happenstance, a mistake? I mean, the intricacy of your physical body, how it flows together, how it functions together. That's why the Bible says in, 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 in Romans, it says that man is without excuse. Amen? And man is without excuse because the, the, the invisible things are clearly seen by the things that are visible. To know that there is a God. Now, I've used this illustration before, but see, there's a picture back here on the wall. It's not the most glamorous picture you've ever seen before, but it's a picture, okay? It's a hotel picture. You know what I'm saying. You want to bring it up a little bit more, brother? Both of them. The temperature, a little bit. Okay. I don't want to see icicles hanging off people in here. Okay. It's hard to get a happy medium in here sometimes. But nobody would look at that picture right there and say, you know, that was just a mistake. It was just an accident. Right? Somebody created that original. Now, that's probably a copy, of course, you know, but somebody originally painted that, and then they made a bunch of slave copies off of that, you know, and uh, duplicates. But nobody would look at that picture and say, that was just a mistake. Well, you might say, well, the painter's not here. That's, I know he's not here. But nobody would look at that picture right there and say, you know, that is just a mistake. Are you with me now? Yeah. Somebody created that. Somebody painted that. And when you look around and you see what God has made, what God has created, you know, without a doubt, that was a divine, intelligent being that created that. Glory to God. I mean, just look in the mirror and see, my God, God created me. <laughs> Amen. So God made man another speaking spirit just like himself. Now, why am I saying that? Because we're talking about this subject here, the spoken word. When God spoke, 
there it was. In fact, did you know that when God spoke, how many years ago? I don't even know. A long, long time ago. When God spoke and God created the heavens, do you know they're still discovering new galaxies and things that are out there? Scientists? Did you know that? They're still discovering those things because when does it stop? When God said, let there be, it still is expanding. The universe is still expanding. There's no end to it. Well, there's probably a wall out there. Okay, well, what's beyond the wall? <laughs> Amen? I know our minds, our finite minds have a hard time figuring that out. But that's what makes God, God. He's so big, and yet He chooses to live and dwell on the inside of us. So when God created us, and He made us in His likeness, and He made us in His image, He gave us the ability and the, the, the uh, uh, responsibility of using words to create the world that we live in. Now, of course, we're not going to speak another world into existence. That's not necessary. You know what I mean? The Bible says all things are upheld by the word of His power. All right? Now, we may not be able to create another world. That's okay. It doesn't need to be created. But we can change the world that we live in by the words that we speak out of our mouth. Amen? Now, if you go to, uh, let's go over to John chapter 1. And uh, it sounds a lot like Genesis. I read this last week, but in Genesis, and God said, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and God said, God said, and then God created. All right? God said it, and then He saw it. All right? But we know that in uh, John chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, it says, In the beginning was the Word. Amen. Who's that? It's Jesus. Do you know the angels called Him the Word? In the beginning, Jesus was the Word. He was pre-existed with the Father. He always was. Okay? You see, when He was born in a manger, that's not when He some suddenly appeared like, oh, He never existed before. He pre-existed with the Father for eternity's past. He never had a beginning. Okay? Don't try to figure that out. Just accept it for by faith. Amen? But notice in John chapter 1, verse 1 says, In the beginning, God created, uh, in, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning, and all things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. So, in Genesis, when God said, Who was it? That was Jesus. In His pre incarnate state, He said, Let there be light. That was Jesus. Now in Colossians, uh, real quickly, go to Colossians chapter 1, verse 16, uh, bears this out as well. Out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. But in Colossians 1, 16 says, For by Him are all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible, invisible, whether they be thrones, dominions, principalities, powers. All things were created by Him and, notice this, for Him. Who's that talking about? Jesus. Now go to John real quick. I'm moving quick here, but look at John chapter 8, verse 56. In John chapter 8, verse 56, Jesus, on his earthly ministry, was having a discussion, I might say, an intense discussion with the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the religious leaders of his day. And they were not very happy with the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? 
because he didn't fit their mold like they thought the Messiah should be. Amen. But uh, he said, in, among other things, in verse 56, he said, Your father Abraham, he's talking to the religious people, Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it, and it was glad. See, Abraham had a revelation. Remember that when that, uh, uh, that situation where he had, that, he had separated those pieces of flesh and the, a burning f- furnace and so forth, walked between them? That was Jesus Christ. Okay? And it says, And the Jews said unto him, verse 57, You are not yet 50 years old. How have you seen Abraham? And Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, to you before Abraham was, I am. There's the great I am. Amen. And they took up stones to cast at him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, and so passed by. Jesus walked right through them. You mean like through their bodies? Yep. (laughs) One time Jesus got into the boat, and suddenly they were on the other side of the seashore within a split second. Okay? Don't ask me how to figure that out, but that's how spirit things travel. Amen. And someday we're going to be able to travel like that. Won't that be wonderful? Instead of waiting in line, going through baggage checkout, taking your shoes off, taking your belt off, and all your furniture and everything. You know, bam, you're there all of a sudden. And I wanted to read that scripture to show you that Jesus did pre-exist before he came and became fleshed in, in this earth. He pre-existed with the Father in eternity's past. He's responsible for creation when God said that was Jesus that did that. Praise God. So, they chose, God chose to use words as a means of creating what he wanted to see in this life. You say, well, okay, Brother Keith, I understand that. That's God. But how does that apply to me? Well, God chose us. And while I'm saying that, let's go to uh, uh, Proverbs real quickly. In Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 21. And I want to show you something here. It says here in this scripture that death and life are in the power of Of what? Notice it doesn't say that death and life are in the power of God. Notice it doesn't say that death and life are in the power of the devil. It says, no, death and life are in the power of what? The tongue. How many of you got a tongue? Okay. One person does. Death and life, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Let me read another translation. I don't have it up on the screen here, but it's called the ERV. It's easy to read version. It says this, The tongue can speak words that bring life or death. Those who love to talk must be ready to accept what it brings or the consequences. Okay. Uh, I made mention of the fact last week as a modern day example in which we live that uh, Elvis Presley made this statement. I did some research on that. His mother passed away at 46 years of age. She was young, okay? And she had some some coronary issues, and she passed away at 46. And for some reason, Elvis, young Elvis, you know, at this time made a statement based on what he saw. He was close with his mom, you know. And he said, I will never live past my mother's age. He made this statement over and over again. He said this, I will never live past my mother's age. And for some reason... 
At 42 years old, he left this earth. He was younger than his mother. Okay? Someone said, well, that was just consequential, you know, and so forth and so on. But I could stand here and tell you example after example that it's not just happenstance or circumstance. It was what they said. You, know, you see, whether a person's a Christian or a non-Christian, their words govern them. Okay? And I'm going to show you something because your words will, will, it's like taking a lasso in the spirit realm and reaching out and and whatever you're saying with your mouth and you're pulling that into you. Okay? And I said this last week and I'll say it again. And I make this announcement before everybody here. The biggest, one of the biggest lies that the devil has said to the church world for years now is that your words don't mean anything. In other words, you can say whatever you want. It's not going to have any bearing on the fact of what you're going to experience in this life, good or bad. That is such a lie and a deception from the enemy because the Bible says death and life are in the power of the tongue. There came a time in my life when I was 16 years old of the month of May 1976 where someone presented the gospel to me. And I said with my mouth and I believed in my heart that Jesus Christ is Lord. And I didn't know anything, but I knew one thing. The guy that led me to the Lord, he's in heaven now. But he said, say this with me. So I said it with him. And all of a sudden, something radically changed on the inside of me. Oh, I knew something, something. I didn't understand it mentally, but I knew something. It was like, the best way I could describe it was like a thousand pounds was on my back and it was just lifted off of me. Guilt, shame, condemnation, sin was just lifted from me. But it happened when I said, Jesus is Lord, come into my heart. So if the words of my mouth were able to change my destiny at that point, you better believe the words of your mouth are going to change the everyday affairs of your life. Okay? Your words have power. And you can change what you see by what you say. What's part of that national anthem? Oh, say, can you? Okay. You have to say something. And stick with it. Yeah, but Brother Keith, you know, that confession stuff, I said it and it didn't work for me. Well, that's exactly right. You said it didn't work for you. That's why it's not working for you. Okay? I tried that for three days and it didn't work for me. Wasn't that wonderful? Well, the Bible says in several places in the New Testament that we are to hold fast to the confession of our faith without wavering. Now, why would God tell us to hold? No, we'd say hold on to. Why would God tell us to hold on to something? Because he knows that if we let go of it, then it won't happen in our lives. And that's why there comes a time when, you know, your eyes are saying one thing, your ears are hearing, you got a report from, you hear it, you see it. That's the flesh, that's the natural, okay? We understand that, okay? But here's the thing. We have to hold on to the Word of God like a dog will not let go. When I was growing up, we had a dog, a little Heinz 57 dog. I don't know what he was. He was probably three or four different versions of that. And that little dog, I made mention of this, he had this little toy, this rubber toy. And there was a place for me to hold on to one end for him to hold on to the other end. And that little dog just loved that red toy. I'd walk into the house as a a teenager, and that dog was just so excited. He would go to the window, 
and he would prop up. He was not that big of a dog, but he would jump up on the window and he'd see us coming off the school bus. He would start barking and yelp, yelping and just getting so excited. He'd grab that little red toy and shake it, you know. That just, he liked that thing, you know. So, so I'd grab the one end, he'd grab the other end, and we'd have a tug-of-war thing. He'd be ground. You'd see his teeth and all this, you know. And uh, one day I actually picked him up. I thought, he's not letting go of this thing. So I just, he was big, he was only about this big. I picked him up in the air, and I was like, he's not letting go of that thing. Now, as a young, immature teenager, I decided to go like this in a circle. You know, a dizzy circle. (laughs) So I went around. He wouldn't let go of that thing. But when I finally let him down, I noticed there was a couple of teeth on the ground. I thought, oh, God, what did I just do? There was a couple of teeth that fell. And, you know, I didn't know that was going to happen. But he was wagging his tail after that happened. I thought, oh, my God. You know? Well, I never, obviously never did that before again. So don't call the animal rights people and all this stuff. I didn't know what I was doing, you know. But I thought, the Lord reminded me of that. He says, Remember the tenacity of that little dog called Bose? I said, yeah. He said, that's exactly the way you need to be, Brother Keith. He said, you need to be like that dog that just hangs on to the Word of God and will not let go until you receive what you're believing God for. And what, how do we hang on to our faith? How do we hang on to what we're believing for? We hold fast to the confession of our mouth without wavering. Revelation, the book of Revelation says, hold fast that which thou hast. You've got to hang on to it. Amen? Jesus held on to a good confession in the sight of Pontius Pilate. Amen? I mean, before he's ready to take off, Pontius the Pilate, he, ha- he hung on to a good confession. <laughs> Amen? You'll get that. But it says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And in Deuteronomy chapter 30, real quickly, go over there. In Deuteronomy chapter 30, and I want you to see this in verse 19. The scripture tells us, I call to heaven and earth to record this day against you, and I've set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that you both, thou and thy seed, may live. You see that? I set before you life and death. I'll go over to John chapter 6 real quickly here, and I'm just reviewing real quickly here. John chapter 6, verse 63. The Bible tells us here, it is the spirit that quickeneth. That means make alive. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Does everybody see that? Now, when God says this, He says, I set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Then He says, choose life. How do you choose life? You choose the Word. Because Jesus said, my words, they're spirit and they are life. Amen? So, how do you choose life? You choose the Word. Say, I choose the Word. You see, if if the devil can get you to shut your mouth... You will lose by default. If, you can, if he has you shut your mouth, don't say anything. Or if you say anything, say something negative. But he wants you to keep your mouth shut from speaking God's word and what God's word has to say. 
But I'm telling you what Jesus even showed us in the, in the Gospels. How to defeat devil by the, by, how to defeat the devil because when the devil came to him, are you all with me now? Everybody paying attention? When the devil came to him, Jesus spoke the word of God, didn't he? He said, it is written, it is written, it is written three times. And on all three occasions, the devil was defeated. You notice that? How do you defeat the devil in your life? Do you pull a sword out? Do you pull a gun out? No. You speak words of life. The Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. It's more, it's more effective because the devil is a spiritual being. You cannot defeat him with natural weapons. You have to defeat the devil with spiritual weapons because he is a spirit. Okay? And so when you speak the Word of God, like Jesus said, it is written. We can say that too. And you pull a scripture out, put it in your mouth, and you say it. It defeats the devil in that given situation. Okay? Now let's go real quickly here today to Proverbs chapter 12. And I want to, I want to show you this. In Proverbs chapter 12, verse 18. And I just want to kind of lay a foundation here about words and the power of words. There is that speak of like the piercing of the sword, but the tongue of the wise is health. Did you see that last phrase there? But the tongue of the wise is what? Now let me read it out of the Amplified. That's the loud translation. It says in Amplified, it says, There are those that speak rashly <clears throat> like the piercing of a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Bring that up in the Amplified, Josh. Notice it says, the tongue of the wise brings what? Healing. So, your tongue has the ability to release healing power by what you say. Okay? Amen? Unless you thought I made this up, the Bible says it. God said this thousands of years ago. Amen? The tongue of the wise is health. I have personally been healed by speaking the Word of God, saying what God's Word says about me. And don't get me wrong, sometimes it was a fight of faith. Sometimes the symptoms persisted. Sometimes the, the feeling was still there like I wasn't healed. Okay? But as I held on to the Word of God with my tongue and just held on to keep saying it, instead of being moved by what I see or moved by what I feel, then it came to pass in due time, in the process of time. Hallelujah. Because sometimes you can say something, you'll see an immediate change, but other times, more often than not, you've got to hold fast to the confession of your faith. Amen. You've got to say over and over again, my God shall supply, verse Philippians 4.19, my God shall supply all of my needs according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. <laughs> Five minutes later, it doesn't look like the provision's there. You say it again. My God shall supply all my needs. I'm, I'm telling you, one verse of Scripture can annihilate Satan tremendously just by saying what the Word says. The tongue of the wise brings what? Healing. healing. The tongue of the wise brings healing. Go to Proverbs 13, right next door. Proverbs 13, in verses 2 and 3. 
What do you see these in conclusion today here? At verse 2 says, A man shall eat good by the fruit of his mouth, but the soul of the transgressor shall eat violence. He that keepeth his mouth keepeth his life, but he that openeth wide his lips shall have destruction. Notice it says in verse 2 that a man shall eat good by the fruit of his mouth. What's the fruit of your mouth? The words that you say. If you take, for example, uh, Matthew eight seventeen, that it might be fulfilled that which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, Himself took my infirmities and bare my sicknesses. Hallelujah. <laughs> Matthew eight seventeen, Himself took my infirmities and bore my sicknesses. What if that's the only thing you have in your lips? Don't look mystified now. Okay. What if that's the only thing you have in your lips when you're facing sickness and disease? Himself, Jesus, took my infirmities, bear my sicknesses. Himself took my infirmities, bear. Say, how many times you got to say that? As long as you have to. Amen. I mean, you stop and think about it. The Lord showed me this a couple of months ago. He said, son, there's no, there's no in-between. You're either in fear or you're in faith. There's no in-between. There's no demilitarization, how you say that, zone, okay, where there's either this or that. There's no neutral territory. We're either in faith or we're in fear. So you're going to use precious effort. When you're afraid and you're worried, okay, some of you might have came in today and you're worried about some things. God understands that. <laughs> okay? There might be reason to worry about this or that. But why not get on the God side of things and start saying what God says so that thing can start to change? You see, whether you realize it or not, when you worry and you're afraid, you're using energy up all the time. You're losing sleep. You're losing energy. Because worry is a form of meditation on the wrong thing. When you meditate and you worry, you're simply meditating, you're imagining, you're pondering of something bad happening to you that hasn't even taken place yet. But you're thinking the worst, you're believing the worst, and sometimes saying the worst. All right? But now we can, we can switch it around, turn the thing around. Like John Osteen used to say, if that rubs the cat's fur the wrong way, turn the cat around. <laughs> Just turn it around and start saying what God's Word says. Himself took my infirmities, bare my sicknesses, and by His stripes I am healed. Amen? If you folks listen to me, this takes a little effort. Then I don't believe we have any wimps in this place. Any wimps here? No. We've got some strong people in this church in the name of Jesus. Wimps quit speaking the Word of God. Wimps don't speak the Word of God. Wimps give up. Wimps will say things like this, God is in control. No, He's not. You're in control of your life. You are in control of your life. You determine which course of direction you're going to go. Listen, if God was in control of everything that's going on in this world, then why even pray? Because He's going to do what He wants to do anyway, right? Why resist the devil? Can you handle this this morning? I mean, the Bible says, submit yourself to God. Resist the devil. He will flee from you. Okay? So if God's in control, like some people say, Christians say, bless their hearts. 
then he sure has things in a big, huge mess because right now someone's being robbed in Pittsburgh. Someone just died in Pittsburgh of a robbery or something right now. Right? So if God's in control, then why is that stuff happening? He's not in control of that stuff. But he's given you the power to take control of your life and your world that you live in, and you can change it by the words of your mouth. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And when I realized that, my God, it was like the light bulb just clicked on in my, my mind. It was like, I can have what I say. Jesus said, you can have what you say if you believe it in your heart and say it with your mouth in Mark chapter 11. Jesus spoke to a tree for Pete's sake. Jesus talked to a tree. We'll get into that. You can speak to inanimate objects and they will hear you. Jesus spoke to arms and legs to grow out and they grew out. Jesus spoke to a fever and told it to leave and it left. Yeah, but that's Jesus, Brother Keith. Well, listen, Jesus was showing us how to function and how to operate in this world. Amen? Now, last, last week I was, uh, I was at a neighbor's house and we were, I was asked, to, they were on vacation, so they asked us to watch their dogs a couple of times a, a day, you know. So I went up there, it's just a couple of doors up from us, you know, so I would go up there and play with the dogs, let them out and so forth, you know, and, and uh, but the one day I was there and uh, uh, I thought I was there by myself, but all of a sudden uh, the neighbor's in-laws showed up and they didn't know I was there, I didn't know they were there, and it was, it was like, <laughs> it's like, hello, <laughs> who are you, you know, but I knew who they were, you know, and, and so they came up the steps and they're probably in their 70s, I would say. Nice couple. I don't think they knew the Lord, at least not yet. And uh, uh, they came walking up the steps, and and I said, "Hey, I'm here." You know, like okay. So we introduced each other again, and hadn't seen each other in a while. And the wife, what's her first name? Connie. Yeah, uh, she was wincing. She had this look on her face, like oh, like like she was in serious pain, you know. And I could see by looking at her face, I go, "Are you okay?" She goes, oh, she goes, I just had the worst attack of shingles. She goes, I'm in pain like you wouldn't believe, you know. And, uh, and the two dogs are running around, you know, and so forth. And, and, I, and immediately I told her, it just rose up in me. I said, would it be all right if I prayed for you right now? She goes, sure. And you can see by, you mean like right here in the kitchen? I'm like, yeah, right here, you know. And uh, so I just... We just went in the kitchen, you know. They bowed their heads. I laid hands on her and I said, Shingles, you listen to me in the name of Jesus. I break your power over her right now. Pain, I command you to go in Jesus' name right now. And within 15 seconds, she got, went like this. She goes, my God, the pain's gone. She goes, it's gone. I said, that's right, it's gone. And I told her this. I said, it's because the Lord loves you. The reason he heals you is because he loves you. And it's, the healing is a doorway into someone's heart. When someone gets physically healed, then it touches their heart, their spirit, and then they want to serve God because he's a good God. That's why God heals people, because he loves them. Amen? And that's the motive behind whatever, everything God does. He does it because of his love and because of his mercy. Amen? But I just simply sp spoke out. I didn't feel any special anointing. I had no goosebumps. I didn't feel like energized or charged in that sense. I didn't feel anything in the natural. 
But all I knew to do was to say what God's word says. Amen. And I tell you what, God loves it when you step out over the aching void of unbelief. Yeah. Of the risk of nothing happening. But you put God to the test. You say, here we go, God. God loves that when you step out and you just act on simple childlike faith. You want to you have an exciting week? Start using your faith on other people and praying for them. I'm telling you what, if you feel depressed, you feel sad, you feel sorry, that'll lift you up so quick because Jesus went about the villages preaching, teaching, healing all manner of sickness and disease. Amen. He was moved with compassion when he saw the multitudes. And that same God, that same Jesus that lived on this earth 2,000 years ago lives on the inside of us. And that compassion will move us to help other people. Are you with me now? What scripture was I in here? 13, okay. Proverbs 21, we've got to wrap this up here. Proverbs 21. I've got two more scriptures and we'll close out today. But notice in Proverbs 21, 23 says, Whoso keepeth his mouth and his tongue keepeth his soul from troubles. Amen? Whoever keeps his mouth and his tongue keeps his soul from troubles. Have you ever felt, have you ever felt tempted to say something negative about yourself? Have you ever done it before? I have. All right? Um, if we want to keep our soul from troubles, if we want to keep ourselves out of a mess, then we have to keep our tongue from speaking fear, doubt, and unbelief. Amen. Matthew 12, go there real quickly here. In Matthew 12, we've got two more scriptures here. In Matthew chapter 12, uh, verse <clears throat> 33. The Lord Jesus said this. He made this statement. Does this excite you? I, I get excited when I learn about this because I can change what I see. I have been able to see changes in my life through the years because of what I say. Now it's not because I'm anything special. The Word of God's special. Amen. The Word of God is special, and God gave us a mouth to be able to put His Word in our mouth to release blessing and so forth to come to pass. Amen? I made mention of the fact of, well, it's probably been a couple of years now. I know it has been at least two and a half years. I was taking a drive, prayer drive one day, and I was on Interstate 79, real close to where 376 and 79 intersect right down here, and I was going north towards Wexford, Okay? And I'm praying about some things, not anything specifically, you know. But the Holy Ghost interrupted my prayer time and said this to me. Said it. I didn't hear it with these, these ears here, but I heard it deep inside my spirit. He said, son, can I, ask you to, can I ask you to something? I said, sure. He said, I want something from you. I thought, okay. I'm ready to give him something, you know. I'm thinking this. He says, I want you to give me permission on a daily basis to step in and to bless you. That's what he said to me. 
He said, the reason I'm asking you that is, is because you have authority in the earth. I don't have the authority in the earth anymore. Man has the authority. And whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. It starts on the earth. He says, I, I want to bless you, but I want you to give me permission to bless you every day. And the way to do that is simply ask him. Say, Father, I give you permission to step in and to bless myself, my wife, my two children, everything, you know, whatever you're involved with, you know. And I give you permission to step in and to bless. Praise God. I started to do that, and it was like things just started happening. I mean to tell you, favor started showing up. I had something happen even last week. I won't get into details. Something supernaturally happened last week. Last Sunday, in fact. It was supernatural. Glory to God. <laughs> and I looked at it, I thought, that's the favor of God. And the Lord instantly reminded me, because he said, if you wouldn't have asked me to bless you today, then I couldn't have inter intervened and stepped into your situation right there. But see, many times, and I've been just as guilty as anybody else, you'll go through the week, then a month, then another month, then another month. You're just kind of trudging along, you know what I mean? Nothing's really happening. Life is kind of mundane. But all of a sudden, when you see the hand of God step in and begin to bless and open up doors and give you favor where you would normally never have it before, all of a sudden you're like, this is no accident. This is no mistake. This is divinely happening. <laughs> Hallelujah. Now, I say that to say this. God is no respecter of persons. He wants to do that for all of His children. Say this with me as a... As a as I practiced how to do this. Say, Father, I ask you and I give you full permission to step in to my life and to bless me today. Me, my family, my children, all that belongs to me. I give you permission to bless me, to increase me, and to give me favor Everywhere I go. Amen. So that's just, that's all you have to do. It takes a minute, not even a minute to do that. But if you start to practice that. Now there's some days I don't actually see something right away. You know what I mean? But you just keep it up. Just keep it up. Don't get weary in well-doing. In due season you'll reap if you faint not. The scripture tells us that. But over here in Matthew I want you to see something here. Matthew 12 verse 33 says Either make a tree good or his fruit good, or else make a tree corrupt. And his fruit corrupt, for the tree is known by its fruit. Verse 34, O generation of vipers. <laughs> He's talking to the religious folks here. Don't you know that I just overturned their apple cart that day? O generation of snakes. <laughs> He's calling them. If, how can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. Notice that phrase, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Verse 35, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart, notice this, what's it say? Bringeth forth good things. An evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth evil things. Now notice the, the two contrasts here because a good man can bring good out of the good treasure of his heart. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth 
You can bring forth things into your life by what you say, good or bad. Now notice verse 36. For verily, for I say unto you that every idle word that men speak, they shall give it account thereof in the day of judgment. For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. Now, we've all said wrong things. We've all said negative things. There are times that I've had to repent before the Lord for saying a negative word about me or someone else. I've had to do that. Am I the only one? So, oh, Father God, forgive me. That was unbelief. I just, I just released unbelief. Make those words null and void. Cancel them in Jesus' name, and God will do that. Okay? He will do that. And so make a good practice of doing that. If you say something that's full of unbelief, say, God, forgive me for saying that. I just voiced something the devil was telling me, and I shouldn't have said that. Forgive me, Lord. But notice, a good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth good things. You can bring forth good things out of the good treasure of your heart. Now lastly, this is the last scripture. Go to James. James, the third chapter. Wait till you see this. This will be the grand finale here today. Can you handle this? But in James chapter 3, who is James here? James is the half-brother of the Lord Jesus Christ. James lived in the same household as the Lord Jesus Christ. James' mother was Mary. James' father was Joseph. Jesus' mother was Mary. Jesus' father was God. And Jesus had other brothers and sisters. The scripture is very clear on that. Okay? Of course, Jesus was the firstborn. He opened up Mary's womb, you know, the firstborn, you know. And he was born of a virgin. Okay? Supernaturally. But Jesus had other brothers and sisters. The Bible tells us that. James was an eyewitness of how Jesus was when they grew up in the same household and he would see things that other people wouldn't see. Amen? How many of you know when you live with someone, you see things you other people never see? <laughs> that can be bad or good. <laughs> well, in the case of the Lord Jesus... James saw some things about him that he wrote a letter about, you know, and let's just take a look at this because, you know, it's just so powerful here. But in James chapter 3, verse 2 says, For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man, able to also bridle the whole body. Verse 3, For behold, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and they turn, we turn about their whole body. He says, Behold also the big ships, ship liners, which though they be so great are driven of fierce winds, yet they are turned about by a very small helm whithersoever the governor listeth. Now notice the, these two examples here about the tongue. He said the tongue is like the, the bit in a horse's mouth. Now I did limitedly, I, I rode horses when I was younger. We used to go to these camps where we get a horse for a week and that and they taught us all the basics about horses how to groom them how to put the saddle on how to put the bit in their mouth you know it was pretty cool because I was a city boy I didn't understand that stuff you know and one of the things I noticed is that 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 little metal bit it's only like that big you know what I'm talking about that little metal bit in that horse's mouth would literally determine which direction that horse was going to go right left or even backwards if you wanted to go backwards you just pull back and reverse and the beeper comes on. <laughs> okay? 
Now, in retrospect, if you see, you know, let's just say it's as big as long as this phone, that little bit is as big as this phone, and, re and compared to the size of that physical horse's body, amen? Man, when you, some of them horses I, was, I rode were huge. You know, their back's like this high. You know what I'm saying? They're huge. Hundreds of pounds, hundreds of pounds. Yet that big horse would move at the, at the smallest pull of that little bit. That little bit. would If I pull it this way, it would go right. Pull it this way, it would go left. You know what I'm saying? And just, just lightly put that rein on his, either side of his mane, you know, and it would take off and go which way, you know. And the thing I used to love to do was just giddy up. Get out there in a big field and smack that thing and just take off, you know, like the Kentucky Derby, man. Just take off and run through the field. We used to do that, you know, and I'm telling you, it was insane doing that sometimes, but <laughs> we were just, it was crazy. But notice he said the ships, though they be very large, he said they're, they have a little rudder on the back of that ship. In, in, in retrospect, in comparison, that ship is so much bigger than that little rudder, yet that rudder determines which direction that ship will go. And he said the tongue is just like that. Okay? Now notice verse 5. It says, Even so the tongue, a little member, boasts great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. Now, how many of you here ever started a fire before? You know, a campfire, okay? I, I still, to this day, I love campfires. I just, I grew up around that, you know, and I just, I love it. love the smell of it. I love doing it. I love sitting around it. Pull the guitar out. Kumbaya, you know. Because I grew up that way, you know. And, uh, but we would, you would never start a fire with just big logs trying to set the logs on fire because it doesn't work. I've tried it when I was younger. I'd go get a match, stick it under a big log, and we're, Dad, why isn't this thing catching fire? He goes, son, you need kindling. What's kindling? The little sticks. Go gather some little sticks out in the, in the woods. So we'd go get some brush, you know, and some leaves and little twigs and stuff like that. And then we'd put the, the kindling underneath the big logs, and we'd set the kindling on fire, and once the kindling was on fire, it would be big enough that we'd catch the log on fire. But before you know it, the kindling's gone. You know, there's no trace of it anymore. It's gone. It, it's out. But notice that fire started with something small. It started with little kindling. Massive forest fires out west to this day may have started with a little tiny match. Sound like Smokey the Bear. Be careful with fires. Right, But, you know, once that fire takes place, you can't, you can't go back and dig up the kindling. It's gone. He said the tongue is like the kindling. It can be set on fire of hell. Now, as we see this, he says, uh, verse 6, he says, The tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So the tongue among our members, it defileth the whole body and setteth on, setteth on fire the course of nature. It is set on fire of hell. Notice that, the tongue. For every kind of beast, birds, serpents... Things of the sea, tamed, and hath been tamed by mankind. But the tongue, verse 8, no man can tame. It is unruly, full of deadly poison. Therewith bless we God, even the Father. Therewith curse we men, which are made after the likeness of God. For out of the same mouth proceed blessings and cursings. My brethren, these things ought not be so. Does a fountain send forth the same place, sweet water and bitter? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, either of vine, figs? So... 
can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh water? Okay? Now, don't be discouraged when the Bible says the tongue no man can tame. All right? We'll be out of here in two minutes. The tongue no man can tame. Don't be discouraged by that. And just say, see, the Bible says the tongue no man can tame. That's right. No man can tame the tongue. That's why he gave us the Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit. That's why he gave us the Holy Spirit to help us with the words. And that's God helping control our tongue, not man trying to control our tongue. Okay? You know, have you ever, you ever been in this situation before? I have. Where you're in a conversation with someone. And you're about to say something, but something checks you on the inside and says, don't say that. Am I, has anybody ever had that happen to you? You're like, don't say that. <laughs> and sometimes, then you end up saying it because of pressure. And then you're like, oh, God, I wish I wouldn't have said that. Oh, God. <laughs> and it takes a little while to clean up the mess. You know what I'm saying? Because, oh, God, I just said something I shouldn't have said. You know, and, and you know, the Holy Ghost was there the whole time. He's saying, don't say that. Don't say that. Now, I learned that the hard way, but I've, I'm learning, praise the Lord, that some, when I get in situations when the pressure's on, especially when the pressure's on, that, that it's just better to just keep your mouth shut. Just when David said, I put a watch over my mouth. He wasn't talking about Timex. You know, he said, put a watch over my mouth. You know, oh, even, the, even Job in the Bible says, oh, God, after God showed him what was going on, he said, Lord, teach me to hold my tongue in the thing wherein I've erred. Job opened up a curse. I'm telling you, he opened up all kind of stuff happening in his life. No one here has ever experienced what Job experienced. But it came down to this thing in Job 3.25, the thing I greatly feared has come upon me, and that which I was afraid of has come unto me. And he began to say out loud. He began to say things that didn't even happen yet. He released, and I believe God put, in fact, Job received an answer to prayer. He says, oh, that my words were written in a book. And God says, all right, we'll put the book of Job there, you know. And Job's one of the oldest books. And you can find his name in the book of Genesis. It's one of the oldest books in the Bible. But I believe there, those things are there to help us and to instruct us that much of what, you know, most Bible scholars believe that Job's test and trials only lasted about nine months. And he lost everything. But you know what? God gave him back twice as much as he lost. The double. God gave it back to him. But he began to realize that what caused his issues was he was filled with fear. And when you're filled with fear out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. He said, it may be that my sons and daughters have cursed God and so forth and so on. And so he did these sacrifices every single day for his kids. Now it looked religious. It looked like a noble thing to do. But you know, you can do the right thing with the wrong motive in the spirit of fear and it will bring the devil on the scene. He was doing it out of fear. And the very thing he said at Job 3.25, the thing I greatly feared has come upon me, and that which I was afraid of has come unto me. Okay? So you got faith and you got fear, and either one of those things can be in your heart, and out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what we want to start to do is to turn the thing around. We want to start saying what God's Word says. Hallelujah. I think you're going to be really glad you came here today. Okay? Amen?
By the looks of some faces, I'm not sure about that. It's all right to smile in church, amen. Say, yeah, brother, sit on the edge of your seat. Get, get hungry, amen. Don't just sit back and look at the ceiling, amen. But just, just dive in with all fours, glory to God, and receive from the Lord, amen. Glory to God. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. But God has given us the choice the choice. When you go to a restaurant today, for example, if you go to, out to a restaurant for lunch, you have a choice on a menu. You look down there and say, right there. You have a choice. Okay? You tell the waiter, waitress, I want that. Not all this, I want that. <laughs> Glory to God. And so you have a book called the Bible that you can pick and you can choose the right scriptures and put it in your heart and put it in your mouth and release it out of your mouth and then just watch it start to come to pass. Praise God. Praise God. When you release, I'll get into this next, next, next time that we meet because we won't be here next week. But on August the 6th, that'll be our next service. When we come together, your words are working for you when you're sleeping at night. Do you know that? You can go to bed, go to sleep, relax, knowing that your faith is working for you. That's what Mark's forest gospel says. The farmer plants the seed, puts it in the ground. You know, he, he sleeps day and night. He said he, he, the seed grows, but he doesn't know how. Okay. So the farmer's not sweating it. He's not in there, I sure hope that seed works. I sure hope it produces. He just put it in the ground. It's out of his sight, but it's not out of his life. Eventually, that thing is going to come up. Okay? And so when you release words of faith, you're planting the Word of God into your life. When you say faith-filled words, that word is like medicine, the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 4. His words are life to those that find them and health and medicine to all their flesh. And you put one scripture, just take one scripture. Don't get overwhelmed. Take one scripture. If you want to, get two scriptures. Put it in your heart, put it in your mouth, get it down inside you, start to speak it out of your, out of your, 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 your mouth, and then you watch it come to pass. You will see it come to pass. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You don't have to worry about the timing. You don't have to worry about whether it's going to come. It will come. And know this, saith the Lord. That when you plant my word in your mouth and in your heart, that word will not return void. That word will not come back unfulfilled, unproductive. But my word in your mouth will produce the same thing as my word in my mouth. So speak my word. Be bold to say what I've already said in my word. And you see that thing that you so desire and that thing that you long for to come to pass will come to pass. Have faith. Have faith. I say have faith in my word. For my word is the incorruptible seed. And that word will produce a great harvest on the behalf of those that have faith in my word and speak my word and they will watch it come to pass. If you need health and healing for your body, release words from my scriptures. Healing words 
that will bring forth the results that you want to see. Plant it in your heart, speak it out of your mouth, and then sit back and watch it come to pass in your life. Ha, ha, ha. (laughs) Glory to God.